Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Great stuff. Are you turning your Bibles with me this afternoon to John chapter 21? John chapter 21. stuff. Let's just pray. Every every eye closed and head bowed. Father, we thank you for your presence. And I pray today that God, you will speak into lives. Lord, I believe there are individuals in this room that you have positioned for today. To hear what you have to say. It's your word. And so God I pray that you'll help me to articulate it. Help me to release what you want to say. What heaven wants to say in this house today. In Jesus name. Lord we invite you Holy Spirit. Just take hold of the word. Take hold of the word. And let there be an explosion in our hearts this afternoon we pray. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well for some of you who have been coming for the last two weeks. I come to conclude this week. On my third and, and final uh, session, or should I say part of, um, a series I've done called Rewind. So hopefully you've been getting something from it, and uh, now you can move forward. You can move, you can move forward, and I'm going to let you move forward now. But I've been looking at the subject of Rewind. I felt God just opened some stuff up to me, so I just thought I'd spread it out over three weeks and, and see where we went. And hopefully it's encouraged you. But we've been looking at what it means that when we are Christian... When we decide to follow Jesus, you know, we talk a lot about, Paul talks in Philippians about pressing toward the goal, pressing forward. And we're always looking at, you know, you go to many churches, they'll talk about vision, you know, where we're going. And we're always thinking uh, forward. But there are many times in our lives, I believe, that we need to sometimes look back. We need to assess things in our past. We need to look back before we can move forward. Do you believe that? We, we, we looked last week at John chapter 11. The, the subject was on the story of Lazarus. That actually Jesus uh, left uh, the Jerusalem. And, and he decides, he says, I want to go back to Judea. I want to go back to where Lazarus is. And he heads back, but his disciples said to him, you know, if you go back there, you're going to get stunned. The last time you went there... There was hostility, there were problems, and Jesus is like, I still want to go back. He realized that actually his steps forward were actually to go back, to go back to something that was dead. In this case, at Lazarus' tomb, and I talked about the idea that many of us have got tombs in our life, situations, things that have happened in our lives, traumatic events, things that seem absolutely dead. In this case, it was four days old and Jesus shows up and he goes back to where hostility is to believe for resurrection. And we see a great story and the glory of God is revealed in that situation. And and we've been looking at what it means for that. We looked at the first week of retracing our steps. The idea that when uh, Jesus had died and then he was resurrected, revealing himself to people in, on the road to Emmaus, he reveals himself to do two disciples who are disappointed. They are disappointed with the events that have took place. They forgot what the word says. And so they, they, they find themselves in this place of, of a pause of disappointment. I want to talk this afternoon 
just for a short time on the subject of what it means for us sometimes when not that we have left a dead situation that we need to return to, not that when we have been in a disappointing situation, but actually when we feel like we failed God, but we're still trying to move forward. Sometimes we can try and move forward, but we've not dealt with our relationship with him before we move forward. And I don't know about you, you can sometimes, you can be walking and and almost like surviving and trying to press forward. But in reality, you've not dealt with your relationship with him. And I want to look at the subject today of uh, the title of this message is Roots and Riches. Roots and Riches. I want to look at the subject of what it means to come back to your roots To come back to the source of who God is. We can move forward with a a negative perception. In Luke chapter 15, you see the prodigal son leaves his father's house. He has an agenda. He has a plan. He has a purpose of what he wants to do. He wants to take the inheritance and he's off. He has a plan and agenda. And so many of us are good at uh, making plans. But he goes forward. But he leaves his father's plan for him. And he goes off in this, in this kind of perception of this is what I want to do. But ultimately he realizes that actually his roots are far more valuable than his riches. His roots with his father are far more valuable. The relationship with his father is far more valuable than the riches that he, he got from his father. I want to look at this today and look at a story of in John chapter 21. We're going to read it in just a moment. Of a guy named Peter. And Peter is someone who I believe was on fire. He was on fire because he followed Jesus around. He did all the things with Jesus. He saw some absolutely amazing things. But then he hits a a kind of a pause where he denies Jesus. Even though he says I'll die for you. And and he's, he's kind of, he's right there with him. But yet he hits this moment when he denies him three times. He's, he's by a fire and he's asked, do you know this man? And I don't know him. He's, he's nothing to do with me. And, you know, he's been around with Jesus and he denies him. And then we get to this scene in John chapter 21 where the resurrected Jesus comes back. How many of you know that when you disappoint Jesus, you can't disappoint him because he's always coming back for you. He'll look for you. When you think you've disappointed him, when you think you've let him down, he's always seeking to find you again. I love the Luke chapter 15 story that the fact that the father is is looking out for the son to return. And, And I want to tell you today, whatever you've done, Whatever sins you've committed, whatever things that's going on in your life right now, there is an opportunity for you to return. Some of you need to come back and address your relationship with Christ again. Some of you need to come back and address that. The the whole story in John chapter 21 is about the reinstatement of Peter. It's the reinstatement of a broken relationship due to his failure. He never wanted to break that relationship. Jesus, think about this. The resurrected Christ takes an opportunity to step out of heaven, to come down and to reach out to Peter in his moment of disappointment. And he's doing that to you today. Amen? Let's read the scripture. John 21, verse 1 to 14. It says this, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. 
I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into a boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? I love that, you know, he's, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Amen. You know, what I find amazing about this story is that Jesus appears three times. He appears this third time to them. And he comes because he wants to restore relationship. He wants to restore relationship. Why? Because Peter had a plan for his life. God has a plan for every single person in this room. There is a purpose you were designed for. There's a purpose that he has for you. And what happens sometimes is, is that when we go in our own way because of failures or disappointments, we end up losing sight of the plan that God has. And we end up doing something almost like a counterfeit version of the very thing that God called us to do. You know, just the other day, she's vanished now, but Joe, I walked into the, um, into the church and she came up to me and she said, I, I've just got some uh, some DNA test results. And she, don't worry, she's okay. She's okay. And she said, I got some results. And I'm like, okay, what, what's this for? Have you, have you committed a crime? And she said, I, I've got results. I want to find out my history. I want to find out my, my ancestry history and, and things about me. And I'm like, wow, so what did you find out? And she, she kind of gave me some of the results. And, and, I, and I read them. And she said, I'm 54.4% English. I'm like, great. Praise God. Then she says, I'm 40.9% African. Come on, African people. So I said to her, well, the next time we have an African night, you can organize it. In fact, you can, you can do a special dance for us. And so I realized something I didn't know about Joe, that she's 40.9% African. You see, on the outside of someone's shell, what you see, and I don't know about you, when you look in the mirror sometimes in the morning, and I do quite a lot, and I, I get, I turn away from it, marvelous, I do. I'm like, how many grey hairs are appearing? I always pick on you. How many grey hairs are appearing? And I look in the mirror, and I, I think of the disappointments, the things I failed God on, the things I failed in my life. I don't know if that's, is that just me? That we feel like we fail God. 
We feel like we've failed others. We feel like we've failed people. And we can stay in this place where we look at ourselves, but we forget what God has said about us. You see, he has a spiritual DNA that is designed for you. There is a purpose for you. And it goes beyond what you see in the mirror. Thank you, Jesus. It is beyond that. You see, when you ask God, God, what is it you want to do in my life? What is the plans you have for me? What is it you've designed me for? What is it? Listen to me. God knows everything about you. He spoke to someone called Jeremiah once in Jeremiah chapter 1. He spoke to Jeremiah to describe the plans he had for him. He says this in verse 5, before I formed you. So this is, this is what you call the Bible talking in DNA. You know, this is DNA. You know, before I formed you, I knew you. I mean, how is that possible? It's because he knew everything. The code to design him. Everything about Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. It's the same for you today. Before you were born... I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What does that mean? What has he just told Jeremiah there? He said this, I have a purpose for you. I have gifts for you. And I have a direction for your life. I'm going to send you to the nations. I set you apart. You're going to be a prophet to the nations. There are gifts. Do you know what? God has spoken to you, maybe in your life. And he said, you've had prophetic words. You've had people speak things over you and say, you're going to do this. God's going to use you in this area. You're going to be an evangelist. And you're thinking, I don't even speak to anyone about Jesus. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And, and you hear these things and it doesn't compute with your mind because you can't understand it. But God says, I've written your DNA code. This is who you are. Now, what does Jeremiah, you'd think Jeremiah, this great prophet, would respond to that when God speaks and say, come on, I'm a prophet. Well, I've heard it from the source. I'm going to the nations. Well, get me a plane ticket. I've been set apart. Well, I'm glad about that. But his response in verse 6 is this. The first word he says is, alas. Do you know what that means? Ah. That's what it means. Ah. What? Alas, sovereign Lord. In other words, that can't be possible. That's just doesn't work. You see, I can't speak. I'm too young. I look in the mirror and I've got problems. I'm a failure. I I look in the mirror and I see issues with me. So what you're telling me about what you designed before me and you're rewinding further back than I can think because I can't even remember when I was born. But you're telling me about things that were written about me before today. You want me to go back and understand the plans? Yes. Because what has been designed for you, Jeremiah, is what you're going to be. And the problem we have today is this, that when we look at ourselves and our failures, we fail to see what God has written about you and me. 
We fail to see the image of what he has designed for you. And what we do is we fall for what the enemy wants us to fall for. And that is to look at us and say, you can't be the person who's a prophet. You can't be the person that's going to preach. You can't be the person that's going to teach. You can't be the person that will go to Bible college. You can't be that person. Because look at you. Look at that sin that you did last week. Would God really use you? Would God really use you as a prophet? How can you be a prophet when you spoke the way you spoke to that person at work? And some of you right now, what's happened is in your walk is you're, you're, you're trudging along and just coming to church every week. You've got your Bible. You're worshipping God. But you actually don't believe what God has said about you because you look at the outside. I want to tell you today, God by His Spirit is, is delivering your DNA results today. He's delivering them to remind you that you are not the person you're looking at in the mirror. You have a purpose and a plan. And it's divine. And he sees something great when he sees you. God was revealing Jeremiah's historical DNA. Ephesians 1 verse 11. Paul writes this. He says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity With the purpose of his will. God may be pausing you in your life right now today. You may be in a season of of a pause, but he's doing that to bring you back to his cause. What did he cause for your life? What does he cause you to do? What is it that God wants me to do? I want to bring just a few things that I believe this story helps us with Peter because Peter had lost track. Number one is this. We have to go back to God's intention for our life. Go back to his intentions. Not our personal ambitions. His intention. When you re- Sometimes we're so busy on James chapter 4 talks about this. We're boasting about tomorrow. We're talking about all the things we want to do. And, and, and actually we've got to come back to his will. Oh, well, I don't know God's will for my life. Well, you just spend time in his presence. You seek his face first above everything else and you'll discover. You don't need a prophet to tell you. Spend time in his presence and he'll reveal himself to you. He'll take everything of your life. He'll t- he'll, he, wants, he wants you. He wants everything of you. Everything. So some people come to me and say, will you pray for me and prophesy and tell me what God wants? Just go and spend time with Jesus. He knows everything. And he will not let you down. Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things. And in him all things are held together. If you want to get a good word, go and speak to him. Because in, all, in him all things are held together. He's before all things. He knows everything about you. He knows everything. Come back to God's intention. You see, what I find amazing about this story is in John chapter 21... It's a kind of a mirror of Luke chapter 5. So in Luke chapter 5, you've got a story of the miraculous catch. So Peter goes out. This time, Jesus sends him out and says, you know, go into the deep waters, cast your nets, and he gets a miraculous catch. So much so that he kind of is just amazed and thinks, I'm a sinful man. Go away from me, God. Go away from me, Lord. And, And he realizes that he's a sinful person. But he recognizes that there's a call to ministry at that moment. In Luke chapter 5, what Jesus says is, 
you're no longer going to fish for fish. You're going to fish for men. So what happens is Luke chapter 5 is a miraculous catch, but it's not just about a miracle. It's about a mandate. It's about the fact that Jesus is saying, I've shown you I can do this, not just so you can have lots of fish, but I've done this so that you will see that you are going to miraculously work for me. You're going to do things for me and fish for men. You're going to be an evangelist. You're going to be someone who's going to fish for people. And, and so what, what Peter gets is this. And so he says, and he actually uses this terminology. He says in Luke chapter 5, from now on. Is it up there? Luke 15. Have we got it? From now on. You see, I, I've, got, I've got an issue with that. Because from now on, we get to John 21 and it all goes wrong. So there you've got it. You've got the delivery of the, the plan for his life. In other words... The saviour of the world meets Peter in his moment and reveals who he is. And he says to him, you're going to fish for men from now on. But then in John chapter 21, it all went wrong because of his denial. And in John chapter 21, it says that Peter, verse 3, says, I'm going out to fish. And this was not for, for men. This is for fish. So we've got a problem. Because all of a sudden, his failure has took him back to familiarity. The failure he had took him back to what he was comfortable with. So I'm going to, and, and sometimes, just hear me on this. Some of us, what we do is sometimes, is what, what we do is, if we've had a great encounter in the past with Jesus, we try to recreate the encounter thinking we're going to find Jesus there. Now, thankfully, Jesus does come. But some of us, what we do is we think that our relationship is about recreating the moment. You don't have to recreate. You have to get into his presence. And so what Peter does is he, he kind of goes out and says, I'm going to fish again. And I think deep down he's thinking, I've seen Jesus twice. I'm, I'm just hoping he's going to show up in the way he did before. But really, my relationship with him is just not the same. I can't forgive myself. Really. You know, Jesus is willing to forgive, but he can't forgive. Some of you can't forgive yourself for what you've done. So you think my relationship is tarnished. I'm just going to go back. I'm going to, I'm going to fish for fish. I'm not going to fish for men. I'm going to do what I did originally. And that is a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the enemy because the enemy wants to stop you from fulfilling your mandate in life to do the very thing that God designed for you. Peter's failure affected his focus and his focus affected his function. Okay? His, his failure affects his focus and his focus then affects his function. And what happens is he goes from this self-deficiency to self-dependency. So he moves from self-deficiency. This is my, my deficiency is that I ain't good enough for Jesus because I let him down. So I'm going to move from self-deficiency and I'm going to get in my boat where I'm comfortable and I know what, I know the ropes here. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to go for self-dependency. When you go for self-dependency, get ready to achieve absolutely nothing. (laughs) You'll achieve nothing. He says they went out all night and achieved nothing. They didn't get anything. 
Now you might achieve something sometimes, but the long-term fruit is you'll get nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. John 15 verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You need to remain in the vine. And some of us, what we're doing is, we think we're following Jesus. We think we're doing what he wants to do. But we've become apart from him. The works look good, but our relationship with him and communion with him is is non-existent. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It says, they went out a whole night and got absolutely, get this, nothing. Little word for you today, don't go your own way. Because you'll achieve nothing. But I'll tell you what Jesus will do. He will take you in your life to places where you will achieve nothing to realize that he's everything. So if you've gotten a place today and you're saying, well, I'm, I'm halfway over that, into that, into that waters. I'm doing my fishing and I, and I feel like I've really failed God. If he's took you to a place where you feel like you've got nothing left, you're spent out. It's the same in Luke 15, verse 8, when the prodigal son, he's got absolutely nothing. He realizes that his father is everything. I don't want to be staying here anymore. I want to go back to my father. And I believe that's a call to you today to come back. To come back to dependency on him. I put here, don't let yesterday's deficiency, your weakness, steal tomorrow's dependency on God. Your weakness yesterday, the thing you failed God on, can actually take you to a self-dependency. They went out in the boat. It says they caught nothing, verse 3. In verse 4, early in the morning, praise God, thank you for Jesus. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. They did not realize it was Jesus. Can I just say that some of you right now, I believe, have been going through. You've gone, you've gone your own way. You failed, you made mistakes, and you've been going through the dark night of the soul. You've gone through a season which feels like you're in a dark place. But thank God for early morning. Thank you that Jesus comes early morning and shouts to them. That when the sun rose, he shouts out to them and they see him. They don't recognize him straight away. Lamentations chapter 3 says that actually that his faithfulness is great. His steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies don't come to an end. They are what? New. Every morning. So the failures you've done. He says, I'm here on the morning for you. The dark night of the soul is ended. It's time to know that I'm here again. To shout you back. To come back to me. And to be restored. Hallelujah. It's amazing though how long we stay in places. We stay in places achieving absolutely nothing. We, we think that we're just going to try a little bit longer. Wasting time. I mean, I'm amazed. I, I mean, I've done that before. I've, achi- I've done things and achieved nothing. I, I was watching, I was telling you the other week how I used to watch films when I was younger on a video cassette. And now we watch them on Netflix. And my son said to me, he said, can we watch a film, Dad, in your room, the bedroom, and on the laptop? He wanted to do something different. So I take the laptop upstairs and we sit there to watch a film. And I'm halfway through the film. And um, we got the popcorn, we got everything out. And halfway through this film... All of a sudden, the film stops. 
You see, we didn't have a problem when we had video cassettes with this. But the problem these days is it's data. If the data doesn't get through, you can't watch the film. And, and, and I realized that before I'd just play the film and it worked. The problem was, is I was too far away from the router. So the router didn't get the signal to release the data. So then we were sat there with the popcorn on pause. And have you ever had that problem and the, the term it uses when it buffers? I don't like that word. Buffering. It's buffering because it's trying to receive the data to release it. And I want to know the rest of the story. So sometimes what we do when it buffers is, I don't know about you, but I scroll back to try and allow it to buffer a little bit more. So I end up watching what I've already watched. To try and get, kind of let it get ahead of itself. To let the data get through. Some of us are like that sometimes in life. We, we actually have to pause and draw back. And sometimes God does that to remind us and show us again. But it freezes. I was walking around the room with a laptop trying to get a signal. My son's like, my son doesn't understand the, the problem of buffering. What's buffering? I mean, now he talks about glitches all the time. And this is glitchy. I'm like, where do you get this terminology from? They don't understand why. Let me tell you, sometimes you have a pause in your life. Things look like they've all stopped and God's done it because why? You've distanced yourself from the shore. You've distanced yourself from him. You're too far away from the connectivity of his voice. And it says they didn't recognize him. And and the problem we find is sometimes is we are doing work for God, but we've distanced ourselves from communion. And so we don't have revelation. Do you know Peter, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to him before all this, he says, who do you, who do people say I am? He says, you're, you're the Christ. You're the Son of God. He says, this has not been revealed to you through flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. That means in Matthew 16, Peter had a communion with, with the Father. He had a relationship so close that revelation was flowing. But at this point, he's out in the boat and he's in in his failures and gone back to familiarity. He forgets what Jesus is like. When you lose connection, you lose revelation. When you lose revelation, you lose direction. We need that communion with him. We need that communion to get, to, to reduce the distance, to increase the signal. Uh, you know, don't think that you've got to wait for the next prophet to come in town in the 31st of January to Dwayne White to hear what God's got to say for your life. My encouragement is this to you. All the way through January, to close the distance and to bring your boat back in, to spend time with him, to listen to him, and by January the 31st, God might just confirm what he's already told you. Rather than waiting for someone to shout to you in your boat, this is what the the Lord's will is for your life. Sorry, I didn't hear that. I said to someone this morning, if you spend time with God, he'll, he'll reveal it to you and the prophets will confirm it. They'll confirm what God is saying to you. Jesus called out to them, friends, friends, and you got any fish? Like, what's the question? No, no, 
See, God's intention, if you want to know God's intention, you better give me your attention. If you want his intentions for your life, you've got to give him attention. You've got to get back. And this is what happens. Let me just tell you, this is what happens. We, we create a distance from God in failure. Failure causes us to go back. He says, I'm going back to fish again. I'm going to do the things I used to do again. And that is where we can end up in our lives. And I want to encourage you today. It's time to come back in. Come back into God's intention. Number two is, we've got to go back to God's instruction. Unless he's got your attention, he can't give you instruction. That he had to shout to them. I don't want God to have to shout to me. I want him to whisper to me. The whisper only comes. If you are with a friend, if they whisper in the house, it's because they're in the same room and they're close to you. If they're in another room, like my children sometimes, they shout through the house. I'm like, can you just come to me? They shout, and I can't tell what they're saying. I've got music playing. I can't. And this is what some of us are like. The distance causes, actually, God has to shout to get your attention. You can't get his instruction if you don't give him the attention. In verse 6, Jesus said this, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Do you know what I find amazing is that Jesus has already got some fish on the beach. He didn't even go fishing. The fish flew out of the water and landed on the barbecue. Because when they arrived back, it says he already had fish cooking. How many of you know that he is a miracle working God that actually doesn't even need to use a fishing line? He doesn't need to use a net. And then he has the cheat to say, come and bring some of your fish as well. But he's already got fish. That shows me that he doesn't need to fish. I want to serve the one on the shore who doesn't even need to do the hard work like that. And some of us are trying to do things in our own strength. And he's saying, just come to me all you are weak and ever laden. I'll give you rest. Come back to me. Come back to the source. Come back to the place where I will strengthen you. I will take the toil from you. Throw your net on the right side. What? We've been doing this all night. We've caught nothing. Throw it on the right side. Yeah, yeah. What's he talking about? You can imagine this is what... They don't, they don't even really know it's Jesus. What does he know? They do. What does it say happens? When they did. I like this. When they did. When they did. Sometimes they have to think about it first. Do we really want to listen to this person? When they did, they were unable to hold the net in because of the large number of fish. Wow. In other words, when they did it and they gave in to Jesus' instruction, they were actually unable to pick up the net. And some of us sometimes, we're struggling and we're unable to achieve anything. Now they were unable to receive the blessing in its fullness because it was so heavy and so big. It says 153 large fish. Wow. See, the difference is here. Notice what happens when instruction comes. That's when the miracle comes. If you look in Luke chapter 5, Peter goes out into the deep because he's sent with instruction. Then he catches. Here, they catch nothing. 
but the moment they receive instruction, they catch. Do you see that? So in both stories, it's when they listen to instruction that the miracle takes place. And, and, and the two different things, because in the second story, they do it on their own first with nothing. No instruction. And if you try to move forward in your Christian walk without God's instruction, you'll achieve nothing. But if you come back and say, do you know what? I'm going to spend time in his presence. I'm going to come back to him and listen to what he has to say. He says they were unable to hold them in. I put here that until you do it, until you do this and do what he says, you'll always be unable to attain. But when you do it, you won't be able to contain. Until you do it, you'll never attain. But when you do it, you won't be able to contain. Some of you right now have got to take leaps of faith and throw your net in things that God is asking you to do. Financial steps of faith. Believing for certain ministry areas that you want to believe for. That God is saying, you've got to sow into this. You've got to throw your net. And, and you think it's crazy to do this. You've been tired. You worked all night. But I'm asking you a step of faith to release your net again. And this time, if you listen to my instruction on my timing, the, the situation doesn't seem right. You feel like a failure. But watch this. Watch what I'm going to do. In Malachi chapter 3, it talks about us tithing, giving. You know, tithing always feels like I'm throwing my net. And it's quite tough. To give. It's quite tough to tithe into the church. And give into the house. And sometimes we don't feel like throwing our net. But Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says. That if we test him says the Lord Almighty. He'll open up the floodgates of heaven. And we won't be able to receive the amount of blessing. It'll be far too much for us. Let me tell you. If you throw your net. He'll throw open the floodgates of heaven. If you throw your net, he'll throw open his floodgates. It works both ways. You will get the blessing. Some people say, oh, God's not looking after me. Are you throwing your net? Are you giving everything to him? Are you sowing into the house? Are you sowing into what God is doing in this season and this hour? If you're in deep waters right now financially, maybe you need to throw your net and give your way out of problems. No, that's no. I've got to sort the problem out first. I've got to deal with this, then I'll come back to the Lord. No, you come to me and let me deal with that problem. You know, I was just a few weeks ago, months ago, I was in the supermarket and I decided to go around and I was trying to watch the money a little bit more and I went around and... I thought, I've never used them before. I'm going to use a scanner. You know the little scanner you can use? You can bleep things. And so I'm walking around. It's quite good. I got it in the trolley and beep. Beep. Bag of crisps. Two for one. Beep. I'll have, I'll have two of them. Chocolates, M&Ms. Two for price. I'll have some of them. I did get some healthy food as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm bleeping all these things, putting them in the trolley and thinking, they're good. And then I did, the reason I did the scanner is because I'm allowed to remove items then. I can check my account, I can check what's on the bill before I get to the till. And it's quite helpful. So the, the problem is I spent more time removing items than adding items. I, I was looking thinking, actually, I don't really need that, do I? Do I really need M&Ms? Well, kind of. 
do I really need this? And I spent more time, people were looking at me, I'm just removing items. Till I actually walked out of the shop with barely anything. I've been in there two hours removing items. It felt good for the time, imagining what I could have had. But some of us, you know, some of us in our lives, what we do is this. We trust God, we give something, and then when we get into failures and times of difficulty, we, we start to stop giving. We start to stop giving to God and not believing Him anymore. And I'm telling you, you've got to give through your weakest season. When I was coming out of that shop, and I was just watching finances, which we all should do, and I came out, and, and I've been praying to God, you know, God, I need help. I need help in certain areas, and and I just came out of the shop, and I, I was kind of chuckling to myself the fact that I've been in there removing items. But it's actually good practice, really. I'd, I'd encourage, I'd encourage you to use the scanner because you don't really need all these things. And I sat in the car, and I just put the stuff in the boot, and I turned my phone on and looked, and someone sent me a message and said, "We've just been praying this morning and felt that God told me to give you a financial gift." And I wept in the car, I broke into tears, sat in Tesco's car park. No, I didn't go back in and buy the M&Ms. <laughs> I was tempted. But I realized something. God looked after me. I broke. I was, I was in tears in the car. Just sat there thinking, wow. I faithfully give to God and, and he, he, he knows. He can, see, he can see me. He can see me. He knows. He's here. He didn't feel like it when I were in there, but he, he watches me. Do you know he watches you? Not one thing misses his eye. Not one thing misses his eye. And now, no matter what you're going through, no matter the darkest season of your life, let me tell you, he's watching you. You see, I, I, I've got assurance now because I just know he's watching me. He's watching me. Some of us need to keep throwing our net even though it feels hard. You've got to keep throwing your net and believing even though it feels difficult. I believe the Holy Spirit is just taking people now on faith flashbacks. He's taking you back to times when you used to give and you saw God provide. He's rewinding you back right now to say that's the time when, yeah, you might have felt everything was going right for you. Then now you feel like it's all a failure. But I'm rewinding you back and showing you that when you did that, you felt happy because you were blessing me. You were serving me. You were giving everything to me. But now what's happened is you're relying on self-dependency. And I'm rewinding you back to show you what you used to do. Because when you depended on me, you had everything you needed. You read Matthew 6. Seek first his kingdom. All the things you need, they'll they'll be given to you as well. But you seek first his kingdom. Some of you need to come back to that place of giving. I put here, don't let today's season of blessing steal yesterday's reason for giving. Some of us, sometimes we had a reason to give. And now we get into a season of blessing. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses had to rewind them back. To remind them where their wealth came from. Where their blessing came from. He says here, when you've eaten, verse 10, and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. But then look at this. This is, this is in the middle of blessing. Be careful 
that you do not forget the Lord. I'm going to read that again. When you've eaten and are satisfied, in other words, when you've got all the money coming in and you can buy as many bags of M&Ms as you want, and you're so blessed that you don't have to worry about how many things you chuck in your shopping cart because God's just given you an amazing bonus for Christmas, and you're living the dream, when you're eaten and satisfied and you're blessed, Praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Praise the Lord your God for all the bags of crisps you've got in your house and your cupboards. But be careful. Be careful you don't forget the Lord. Failing to observe his commands. In other words, his instructions. His laws and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Do you see that? If you look at Deuteronomy 8. You look at Deuteronomy 6 through to 8, you'll see a lot of this. But the fact that they were took through the wilderness. He says, you had shoes on your feet that didn't wear out. You you went through, you got manna from heaven. You received all of these things in all that season. You were blessed, you were looked after, you were in all of these things. Be careful that now you're living in the blessing, you don't forget the blesser. So I'm rewinding you back, says Moses, to not forget. Don't, don't lose that part of the memory in your head. Because that memory is important. Because if you don't, you're going to just so rely on dependency, you'll forget who gave it to you. Moses rewound them back. Because he realized, look, he realized that if, if you forget, you'll not Obey instruction. Same principle. Hallelujah. God, I pray you'll help us all to keep giving through the dark nights. Through all the dark nights to keep throwing our nets and believing that you will provide. Amen. Number, finally, number three, we've got to go back to God's invitation. We need his intention for our life. We need to go back to his plan, his purpose that he designed before time. Then when we do and we give him our attention to that, he'll give us instruction. Then finally, come back to his invitation. You see, the distance that he wanted to close was to bring them back to the shore. I love the fact that Jesus says, come on friends, come and have some breakfast. I mean... We think Jesus just, we don't picture him like this, but this is Jesus. This is the resurrected Jesus. I mean, I like this guy. I don't know about you. I want to hang around with a guy who's willing to look for me in my biggest downfall and make me breakfast. I want to serve and give my life to a man who is the son of God. Who is willing to make my breakfast for me when I failed him and denied him? When I've let him down? I want to, I want to. It's the Lord, says, says John. We think it's John. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Isn't it interesting that he recognizes the one who was close to Jesus recognizes Jesus first. When he says it's the Lord, Peter's straight out into the water. Where is he? Straight into the water. Are you willing to jump in the water and run back to him? Leave the fish. Let the others grab him. Get back to him to get on that beach and get there. And he says, come and have some breakfast. 
Oh, you've already got some fish. Where'd you get them from? And he arrived back. And if you read the rest of John 21, you'll see that the whole point of this story is to lead him into a conversation, to ask him the question, do you love me more than these? We don't know what these is, but it's either his friends, his companions, everything about life, or it could have been about the fish. But he says this, do you love me more than these? And he asks him three times. The whole point of that breakfast was to ask him the question, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your self-dependency? Do you love me more than what you've just been doing? Because I've told you before, I'm rewinding you back, I'm telling you again, I told you before that you were going to fish for men. What on earth are you doing? What are you doing, Peter? I've, I've pulled you back in for a bit of fish and bread to tell you this is not the plan. I've just hooked you back in to bring you in. Because you're off on your own tangent. The plan is not this. The plan was for you to fish for men. Yeah, but you don't understand. I denied you. I don't care. You will make mistakes. But I've died for you, son. You see, the problem was that Peter had no problem in looking back. Always, none of us have got a problem in looking back. The problem is what we look at. Peter looked at his failure. He missed the cross. He missed the sacrifice. Some of us today need to look back 2,000 years to what Jesus did for us. When he died on the cross, forgive us of all our sins, rescued our life from the pit. He saved us. He satisfied our lives with good things now. Listen to me. Some of us have got to look back to the cross. We sing a song, the cross before me. If you want to press on towards the goal, it's time to look back first 2,000 years and let the cross be behind you and before you. It changes your life. Because now you realize that your failure was dealt with at the cross. When he denied him, it was dealt with. It's dealt with. Whatever you fail God on, it's dealt with at the cross. I'm so pleased today. That when I look back at what I've done wrong, I realize I actually need to look at the cross. I need to look back at the cross. You need to take that invitation. Because God wants to close the distance. It's all about, isn't it, the ministry of reconciliation. It's that reconciling us back to him. Coming close again to him. And let me tell you, the gospel, it seems so... When you're in failure, the devil tells you, yeah, there's a cost. God would not let you off like that. You, to do what you've done, to think what you think, to look at what you've looked at, God will not let you off. There's a price to pay for that. No, the price was paid at Calvary. No, there's a price to pay for that, son, daughter. You can't, you can't do that. You can't go back to him. If you go back to him, you have to confess everything. He'll never love you. He wouldn't want you doing things for him. And some of us fall for the lie of the enemy. We think there's a price to pay. You see what Jesus did? Do you know what? Jesus steps out of heaven. The resurrected Christ comes onto that shore. Do you know what he does? He casts his net. He casts his fishing line out onto that boat when he speaks a word. And he draws them back in and he pulls them back in. What Jesus does is he actually goes fishing for men. He's showing the principle. 
I'm coming back down to you. I'm coming to reveal myself to remind you and take you back to that place of, I know you're disappointed, but I'm going to hook you, pull you in. The miracle was to pull them in. And he pulls them in. But some of us think that actually, you know, this, this is just, it can't be real. He can't forgive me. Yes, he can. Have you ever, when I've booked holidays before, if you've ever been on those holiday websites, you, you book a holiday or you go on to find one and you phone the number. It says, here's the code. This is the price. Phone the number. You phone the number. You get through. I've just seen this reference number XY937. It's this price. No, it's not. No, it says that price. No, it's, it's more than that. There's additions. Do you want a meal on the plane? Oh, go on then. They add on all these extras. Then they tell you it's a different price. That's just something that we put, that it's gone that price now. It's always gone. What do the people do on the website? They do it to hook you, to pull you in, to then you have to pay a price that's higher than what they hooked you in on. But let me tell you, when he hooked Peter in and he draws him back in, the hook didn't cost him anything. It cost him his life to give him his life. There was no added extras. He said, come. Come back to me. Come back to communion with me and let me restore you. Come and have breakfast. Come and eat with me. And commune with me. If the team could just come back, that'd be great. I love the story in Luke 15, we looked at it earlier, of the prodigal son in verse 18. He realizes, it's, I love it, it says he comes back to his senses. He comes back to his senses. <coughs> when you come back to your senses, you realize where you've gone wrong. And so he comes back to his senses and he, he says, I'm going to go back. Uh, th- this place ain't for me. The, my roots are far more valuable than these riches. My, my roots are far more valuable than these fishes. I love him more than this. I just did this because I thought I failed him, but I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. Uh, the, my roots over there on the shore, that's what, that's what I'm all about. I remember now, Luke 5, he told me I'm going to be a fisher of men. I'm going back. I'm going back. But I can't. I can't go back, says, says the prodigal son. I can't go back to the father because the father, he might not forgive me. I'll just, I'll just go back as a slave to him. I'll, I'll, I, but I'm going to go back. Every one of us who fail, we always go in our wrong direction. But it's time to turn around and to go back. Because there are plans, purposes that God has ordained for you. It's in your DNA. Before time began, God knew you. He knows everything. And he wants to bring you back. Verse 18, he says, I will set out and go back to my father. And say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Verse 20, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father Simon was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Wow. Wow. He's drawing you back today. 
Some of us didn't realize how far we'd gone. Do you know what I love about the story when Peter arrives on that beach? When he comes back, they weren't that far out from the shore, so it's not too far. But when he gets back in, because he says he jumps in the water and kind of runs his garments on. When he gets there, that fire's burning. They'd have seen the fire. And we know the stories that when Peter denied Christ, he was by a fire. So when he sees the fire, he remembers. That's where I denied. But listen, it was over that fire that he got reinstated. Your greatest disappointment, God doesn't want to just remind you to remind you to make you feel bad. But to show you, not there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do to separate my love from you. And I will put this fire and remind you what you did. But I'm here to tell you I love you. I love you. Come back. Stop going on your own. Stop doing your own agenda, your own ambitions. Come back to my intentions, my instructions, and my invitation. Because as you move into this next year and you press forward, as we've been looking at all these last few weeks, we need to come back to his presence, come back to his word. Come back to him. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.